0: Father, we direct all attention to you this morning. We give thanks for the grace of Jesus Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. That is only the power of Christ that makes that possible. Guard our hearts from fear. Rid our hearts of the guilt that Satan would choose and desire to use to hold us back, to hold us down, to keep us from enjoying the peace and grace and mercy that we have in Christ on a daily basis. We know that we have it in our salvation, and yet we don't often enjoy it because we are robbed of it by the circumstances and the cares of life and the frailties of our own hearts and minds. So keep us by the power of Christ. Here in the power of Christ, we stand this morning. We are grateful for the sacrifice of the only one who could pay for our sin. Thank you, Father, for that precious gift. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. I don't know how many of you have spent any amount of time at all exploring your family tree. How many people have ever done any digging at all in your family tree? Yeah, a few of you and the rest of you just don't want to know, right, what's back there? <laughs> I a few years ago, I just did a little informal digging, you know, I think Ancestry.com or one of those things and... Uh, I went back a few generations on my dad's side. The information was readily available because apparently my father's family has lived within five miles of each other for like six generations. Uh, So it's pretty easy to track them a little bit and find out some things. And then a few years ago, uh, one of my aunt's did that on my mom's side, gathered a lot of information about our family and our history, and in particular about my grandparents, my mother's parents, and put it together in a couple of binders. And I just love looking at that and reading about my grandparents when they were younger and their parents and so on uh, back through and, and seeing a little bit of my family history, seeing where I came from. Um, My question to you this morning is, if you traced your family history, what do you think that you would find? (laughs) You find some heroes, maybe find some villains, some good decisions and some bad decisions. Maybe you could look back and, and learn some things about the way life should be or maybe the way life shouldn't be, right? I mean, that's what happens when we look back. And over the last few Sundays, last several Sundays, we have been talking about the whole story of the Bible. And if you have been with us here, you know that we started in Genesis, and we're going all the way. We're going all the way to Revelation. And we're seeing, particularly in the Old Testament where we are right now, that this is a story of a family. We are tracing this family's history, Abraham's family. The family that became a nation. And if you have been with us for all of these weeks, maybe some of you have been, or at least some of them, you know that this is kind of a long and twisty tale. (laughs) And there are some heroes. And there are some villains. And there are some good decisions. And there's been bad decisions. And there are certainly things that we can learn to apply to our own lives. One of the things we've talked about, remember, is that the Bible is one story. The, The kind of overarching title of our series is the whole story, but we also know the Bible is one story. And that story is this. If you don't walk away with anything else, I hope you do, but in 66 weeks of us doing this, walk away with this. The Bible is the story of God glorifying himself and displaying his grace by redeeming people. That's the whole story. Everything else that's in here, in between Genesis and Revelation, builds on that story. God chooses to glorify himself and display his grace by redeeming people. And we're learning about God's character. And we are seeing Jesus even in the Old Testament. And as we get to Second Chronicles today, which is where we are, In chapter 7, we're going to learn something about God's character. And this is what we're going to learn. We're going to learn that God always forgives when we get humble and repent. God always forgives when we get humble and repent. Now, how many people remember everything that Pastor Tim said last week? How many people remember anything that Pastor Tim said last week? Oh boy, I'm glad he's not here because he would be really discouraged by that. four people remember anything okay so the chances of you remembering this are pretty slim so let me remind you first and second chronicles really replay the history that we've already seen in 2 Samuel and 1 and 2 Kings. Remember, he said it's like the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all cover basically the same time period, but they do it from different perspectives, and that's what's happening in First and Second Corinthians. We're revisiting and reviewing some of the history from 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, but we're getting a little bit different perspective of it. And so we've already talked a few weeks ago about the fact that King David wanted to build build a temple. King David said, I've done all this, I've accomplished all this, I have all this money, I have all this power, I have all this control over the then known world. We are the most powerful nation in this region right now. I want to build you a temple, God. And God said, I appreciate that, David, but I don't want you to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. And we saw that God promised that David's seed, David's ancestors would be on the throne for all of eternity. And we saw that that is going to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Well, last week when Tim was in 1 Chronicles, he talked about a little bit more of that story, that God was not done with David. Even though he didn't want him to build the temple, he had something else in mind. And David gathered the stuff for the temple and he commissioned his son. And, And Tim did a good job of applying that to our own lives and the importance of caring for our children and our families and passing along what we know is right. And so here in 2 Chronicles, Solomon has finished the temple. And we're going to see here that God makes a special promise to the nation of Israel. Now what I want you to see as we look at it is that this special promise is made to Israel, but it's not made to the United States. We're going to be careful how we apply this, to our situation today in 2020. I wish it was a promise to us here in the United States. It's not, but it is a promise that we can learn from as Christ followers. So 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if you have your Bible or if you are following along on the lyric sheet that get passed out, those notes are there, or you're following along on your app, or you're just fighting desperately to stay awake, then follow with me as I read these verses. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. And all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. So Solomon completes the temple. It took years, by the way. It took years for him to finish it. And he presents it, if you will, to God. He says, God, here, we've finished it. This is for you. And God says, I'll dwell there and I'll be with you. And if you disobey, I will punish you. But if you repent, I will heal your nation. Now, this was a special promise made to the nation of Israel, and it confirmed these other covenants. Again, we've seen some of these as we've worked our way through from Genesis. In Genesis chapter 12, he makes a promise to Abraham. I will bless you. I will bless your family. I will make your name great. I will bless all of the families of the earth, through your family. And then in Genesis 15, he confirms it again, and he says, just like the stars in the night sky, that's how many is going to be your family. That's how huge your family is going to be. And then he makes promises to Moses. He makes promises to David that he would establish the family and bless the nation, and not only bless them as individuals, but bless the whole nation. You may have heard people say before that Israel is God's chosen people, and that is what God's Word shows us, that God has a special relationship with the nation of Israel, and He's made them special promises. Now, unfortunately, many people misuse this verse in regard to our country. Now, this is a great verse, and I love it, and I have it highlighted in my Bible. I probably had it highlighted in all the Bibles that I've ever had. I love this verse, but I hear people quote it and read it and say, if the United States would humble itself and turn from its wicked ways and seek God's face, then God will heal our nation. But that promise is not made to us. God does not have a covenant with the United States of America like he does with the nation of Israel. But it does matter Because God does make a promise to us that I want you to see that is reflected in this verse. So how do we properly apply this to us today? I think there's five things here. If you want to write things down, if you're a note taker, then there are five things that we're going to see here to apply to us. And here's the first one. We can do whatever we want, but unless God chooses to do his work, nothing is truly accomplished. We can do whatever we want, but unless God chooses to do His work, then nothing is truly accomplished. You see here what happened, Solomon, David had gathered all this material, and Solomon even added to it. Solomon, we read here in 2 Chronicles, was the wealthiest man in the entire world. He had literally wagon loads of gold, buildings full of wealth. And and Solomon built this temple, and it says there in verse 11 that all he planned to do, he successfully accomplished. That literally means all that was in Solomon's heart, he did. Now, how many people have ever had a hope or a dream? This is a sad little group this morning. (laughs) Only 30 people have ever had a hope or a dream. Come on now. We all have hopes and dreams. We all have things that we want to do things that we want to accomplish, but how often can we say, everything that I had in my heart to do, I did it! Doesn't happen very often, does it? Because life, (laughs) right? But Solomon, everything that was in his heart he accomplished, he did everything that he wanted to do for God. But notice that God said, Solomon, I have chosen this place. Why was this temple the place that God would dwell? Why would it become the center of blessing for Israel for generations? Did it become that because Solomon decided to build a temple? Is that why? No. It became the center of worship, the center of blessing for the nation of Israel because God chose to dwell there. Friends, we can decide we want to do all kinds of things, but unless God accomplishes His work, nothing is truly accomplished. Most of you know the story of our church here. You know that 18, 19, 20 years ago, two or three families got together on their knees, on their faces before God and said, we would like to start a church. We want to see a place where people are welcome to come and hear the truth and not be worried about all the little side peripheral things that don't really matter. We just want people to know the truth. We want to see people's lives changed. We want to see the people who, who are too Nervous or afraid or guilt-ridden to go into a church building, just be able to hear that God loves them. So a group of people started meeting, and then Tim and Pam came and joined them, and a year later, Melody and I came and joined you, and then all of us have gathered. But this is not Tim's church. This is not my church. This is not happening because two or three families decided they wanted to start a new church. This is happening because God has chosen to change people's lives. And we need to make sure that we don't just set out on a journey to accomplish what we think needs to be accomplished without asking God what it is that He is doing. We can do whatever we want. Unless God chooses to do his work, nothing is accomplished. Here's the second thing. Sometimes God causes bad things to happen. Now, some of you may have just heard that phrase say, Oh, Pastor Mike, like you usually do four or five times a message, you messed up a word there. I didn't know I did that, by the way, until I got home and Melody would say, Um, you know, when you said this, you said the exact opposite. I don't think you meant that. Or when I've started, you know, now that we're recording these things, I don't know if this is a good idea or not. <laughs> and then I go back and I think, oh, those poor people have to listen to this and watch this. How terrible. Anyway, some of you, I said, God sometimes causes bad things to happen. And some of you are sitting there and said, Pastor Mike, you meant to say sometimes God allows bad things to happen. No, this time I actually said it the way I intended to. Sometimes God causes bad things to happen. Sometimes he causes it because of our sin. What did God say to Solomon? He said, Solomon, I have chosen this place. I will dwell here. I will bless you. I will care for you. But know this. When you sin, when you break my commandments, when you turn away from what I have told you to do, when you live in a way that is dishonoring to me, what does he say there? He says, I will shut the heavens. And I will command the locusts to wipe you out. I will send pestilence. My friends, I don't know how grammatically well-versed you are, but those are active verbs. That means God is doing it. He's not standing back and allowing it. He's doing it. When his children are unfaithful, God disciplines them. And by the way, this is not just an Old Testament slash Israel thing. This is revisited for us in the New Testament and told to us as a church in Hebrews 12, chapter 6, or Hebrews 12, verse 6, rather. The Lord disciplines those he loves. The Lord disciplines those he loves. What son, verse 7 says, What son is there? Whom his father does not discipline. God causes these things to happen. He causes this discipline in our lives because he wants to bring us to repentance. He wants us to recognize his sinfulness, or recognize our sinfulness, rather. See, I told you, it's happening. Psalm 119, verse 75. What does David say? He says, I know, O Lord, that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Sometimes things happen in our lives which we understand maybe in the time or maybe later that are consequences for our actions, and we say, God, you don't love me anymore. You've forgotten me. You're not faithful. But what does David say? He says, in faithfulness you have afflicted me. There are consequences for our sin. Here's the third thing if you're keeping track. Number three, when we realize our sin, we need to get humble. This is the verse that everybody's familiar with, or many are. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear, hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. My people, if my people will do this. Well, in context, who was God's people? Who was God's people when Solomon was hearing this? Who was it? It was Israel, right? That's what we've established. This is God's people, God's nation. The United States of America is not God's nation. It is not God's people. The citizens of the United States are not God's people, necessarily. This is not God's family. Who are God's people? In this context, in this verse, when my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them and I will heal their land. It was Israel. In this context today, if God were to say that to us, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, who is he talking about? Who would that be? That would be us, Christ followers, Christians. If my people who are called by what? My name. My name. We are called Christians. We are called Christ followers. God does not make this promise of 2 Chronicles 7.14 to this country, but He certainly does make this promise to us as individuals, as Christ followers. If we would humble ourselves and pray and seek and turn, then God will hear and forgive and heal us. If you are here this morning and you are willing to humble yourself and you are willing to pray... And you are willing to seek God's face, and you're willing to turn away from the sinful practices of your lives, then God will hear you. And He will forgive you. And He will heal you. That's the promise. If you want to keep track of something in your mind for this week that will hopefully be helpful to you, remember this. Humility paves the way for forgiveness and restoration. Humility paves the way for forgiveness and restoration. James 4.6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility paves the way for forgiveness and restoration. A few minutes ago, Joe was sharing that verse with us from Psalm chapter 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? That's the attitude that we should have if we would humble ourselves, if we would recognize who we truly are. God opposes pride. But he generously gives his grace to those who are willing to humble themselves, to those who are willing to admit their failings and their frailties. Here is number four. God is always watching and listening for his people to come to him. He's always watching and listening. What did God tell Solomon? He said, my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayers that are offered in this place. God is attentive to us. He is always ready to hear us. He wants to hear us. God does not ignore his people. Now, if you're like me, there's probably been a time in your life, maybe there's been a time this week, this month, since all of this started happening, when you've been praying and you've said something like this or you've at least felt it in your heart, you've thought, God, why are you ignoring me? Have you ever prayed something more than once? You ever prayed it 10 times? A thousand times? Every day for 20 years? And the temptation is to say, What? God, why are you ignoring me? But God does not ignore his people. He hears us. He is attentive to us. Does God always answer us the first time we pray? Does God always answer us the 100th time we pray? We are not promised that. But we are promised that He hears us, that He is attentive. He knows what is happening. And here's number five. God never changes. God never changes. He reassures Solomon I am here. I will dwell here. My eyes are open. My ears are attentive. And I will be here for all time. God is revealing his character once again to us. His love never fails. God shows his loyal love to people. Sometimes we can question this in our lives, but I want you to understand this this morning, my friends, and and even if you know this already, be reminded and be encouraged that God never withdraws his love from the people he chooses. Did you hear that? God never withdraws his love from the people he chooses. Through all of the ups and downs, and we're, we're not even... We're only about halfway through Israel's story here. But already we've seen it's like a roller coaster. They're up, they're following God, they're honoring God, then they're down in the pit. But God never withdraws his love from those he has chosen. Psalm sixty-six twenty 20 says, Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his loyal love from me. Friends, listen to me now. God will always forgive if you get humble and repent. He will always forgive if you get humble and repent because His love for you never changes. He's always watching, He's always listening, He's always waiting for you to come to Him. Now, here's what we all struggle with because even though God never changes, we do. Even though God's love never fails, ours does. And if there's ever a time in our lives when our fellowship is broken, it's because we have sinned. It's because we have moved. It's because we have changed. He is always faithful, willing to forgive and to restore. But you have to get humble. And man, that is so difficult. That's so difficult for us, isn't it? So difficult for us to admit I don't know what's best for myself. I don't always have the right ideas. I don't always go in the right direction. But James gives us the path. He says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. God, why do you feel so distant from me? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, James goes on to say. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. How many times in the last five months have we been reminded, not just little kids, but us husbands too, to wash our hands? (laughs) I have washed my hands more in the last five months than I have, I think, in the previous 49 and a half years. Here's the thing about washing your hands. Even if you do it, guess what? An hour or two later, you got to do it again, right? And that's what James is saying. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We're, because why? Because we wash our hands and say, God, I'm clean, I'm yours. And then an hour later, guess what? We're not clean again. Be wretched, he says in verse 9. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. You want to know what humility looks like, folks? when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to our relationship with God, James says it right there in verse 9, be wretched and mourn and weep. You're not going to get that on your Facebook feed today. Twitter ain't going to tell you that you need to be wretched and mourn and weep. This culture is going to tell you you need to stand up and you need to stick your chest out, and you need to steamroll anybody that stands in your way because you deserve it. God says, you want my blessing? You want my forgiveness? You want my healing in your life, in your home? You need to be wretched and mourn and weep for your sin. You know what's missing in my life a lot? A good dose of my own understanding of just how lost I am without the power of God. A good faceful of my wretchedness. I'm not saying that we just live down in the dumps all the time. I'm not saying that we just destroy ourselves, that we just, I'm no good, I stink, whatever. That's not what I'm saying. But I'll tell you what, when I dig down through a couple of veneers, you know what I find in my heart? Just like Joe said, I find selfishness. And selfishness is the heart and the root of every sin in the history of mankind. We'll talk about it if you don't believe me. Because in that selfishness, in that stew in my heart is anger and impatience and jealousy and lust and all kinds of stuff. You're wretched and mourn and weak. There's no wholesale promise for the restoration of the United States of America. I would like to be able to stand here and tell you that if enough of us do this, that God would reach down from heaven and he would heal this country, but I don't know that he's going to do that. We are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, Hebrew says. It's future, it's in heaven, it is eternal, it's not here. If you're waiting for God to heal this entire land and make it the utopia that everybody wants it to be, you're going to be waiting a long time because there is no promise for that. But He does promise individual restoration. He does promise us forgiveness. He does promise that if we would draw near to God, He will draw near to us. And I truly believe that if, if 10 of us do that, if 30 of us do it, if 100 of us do it, if 200 of us do it, then I believe that He will give us the opportunity to show His grace and love to other people in this community whose hearts and lives he can change. Because he has promised to build his church, and that is us. We are his people, and we are called by his name. Will you admit your need this morning before the Lord? Will you humble yourself? The band's going to lead us in one of my very favorite songs for us to end with. Lord, I need you. I need you. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep, and draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. Friends, listen, we are not left in a hopeless place. <laughs> it's not fun to talk about our wretchedness and the importance of mourning for our sinfulness. but We have hope, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. John is talking about it in 1 John chapter 2. He spends chapter 1 talking about the the struggle between light and darkness in our lives. And then in, in 1 John 2 verse 1, he says, My little children, the people that I love, I'm writing these things to you so that you wouldn't sin. Of course. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Friends, I am challenging you this way. I don't want you to think I'm being harsh, but I am challenging you because I love you. And I don't want you to live in sin. The hope is if we do sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. And every time I look at my life and I see my sinfulness and my impatience and my anger, I say, Lord, I need you. I need the advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who atones for my sin, He atones for yours. That's the hope. So be wretched and mourn and weep and then rejoice in the hope of Jesus Christ who can give you the power to make the choices honor God. This week, we're all one step away from being Israel. <laughs> we're all one step away, one choice. But Jesus Christ stands for us. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Forgive our sinfulness, Lord. We, we bow before you today. We acknowledge our wretchedness. And we ask forgiveness for our sin that you would by the power of Jesus Christ help us to turn from our wicked ways heal us for every person here this morning Lord for that person who is is struggling with fear struggling with with doubt or is angry or selfish or lustful are addicted to a substance. Whatever it is, Father, may they recognize their sinfulness because it is only in getting humble on our faces before you that we can realize the hope that is found in the grace and person of Jesus. Thank you for the one who stands for us. Go with us now, Father. I pray that you would give us the courage and the strength and the opportunities to be light in this community that all may know your love. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for being here, folks. I hope God has challenged your heart. Have a great week.